What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Raw Select Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green Podcast. And I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Welcome friends, you're listening to the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran, thank you very much for your company. Uh, we have an excellent show lined up for you today. Before we get there, however, before we formally introduce it, um, you're listening to the Blue in Green podcast. This podcast runs in conjunction with the online internet radio station, uh, Blue in Green Radio. We are a 21st century uh, soul, jazz, funk, Latin, hip-hop station, and we're very fortunate enough to bring an incredible range uh, incredible array, beg your pardon, of shows from all across the world, from Japan to Australia, the States and London, and I uh, uh, would love for your company, would love for you guys to tune in, and um, yeah, we're fairly confident that you'll enjoy what you hear, we're hopeful anyway. Um, we uh, love the, the, these podcasts uh, traditionally involve me talking with uh, other blue and green radio presenters and uh, we talk music, we talk their show, we talk the station, we, we, we talk music, yeah, we, we, we talk a lot of music. Uh, but this or this podcast also affords me the incredible luxury to speak to artists that we are head over heels for. And uh, today's episode uh, is one such artist. It's Rico Garofalo, um, who uh, created La Speranza. They released their debut album uh, much earlier this year in 2019 through Dome Records. The album is called Seeds. It is a 10-track project which features 10 covers of songs that um, Rico grew up as just an absolute fan of something that nurtured his passion for soul music and songs ultimately that planted the seeds uh for the album that we're we're celebrating in this this show today so um yeah really excited about the chat i think it's a brilliant conversation i'm very uh, i'm really keen for you guys to hear it um uh, we go long though we go long which is which is which is probably the longest episode that we've had and i'm i like that and i i considered splitting it into two but i thought no we should keep it all together and this is the conversation and it's it i think it warrants your uh your attention i i hope you'll enjoy it rico's an amazing guy i'm so uh fortunate i really consider myself very fortunate to um uh, to sort of have been put on to La Speranza very very early uh, with the release of their first single so shout out to Steve Ripley uh, for uh, putting me on and um, uh, other than that I'm, I feel like I'm super fortunate to be able to call Rico a really 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 great friend uh, he's an amazing guy and having this this time in this context has, has been super cool um, we <laughs> I don't think as much as I enjoyed it I can't see him itching to come back uh, as we said, this one goes long, uh, so I kept him recording for over an hour and a half. Uh, when we finished recording, we carried on. I kept him for another, I think, well, another nearly hour and a half. Uh, so I completely invaded that uh, that that nice yeah that nice man's <laughs> evening. So yeah, he may not be itching to do this one again. So uh, thank you again to uh, Rico. But one of the things uh, it's it's kind of the conversation kind of conversation you have with someone that really stays with you. Um, 
And one of the things that we talked about when we turned the mics off was just us being fans of music. And uh, well, the whole, the whole thing is about us being fans of music. And um, something that he said, I think it, he picked it up from a conversation he had with someone else, but they referred to this kind of passion that you have for music as being like a virus. You know, it's something that's in you. And it's like an illness in terms of you, you can't get over it. You can't move on from it. It, it, it is all consuming. And I, you know, I, I resonated with that and I, I thought, yeah, that's, that's a fairly apt description. I kind of have the impression that a lot of people listening to this and people that would tune into the station or these podcasts would resonate with that phrase. Um, I, as in, it, yeah, it makes sense. Um, I, I, I did say to Rico that I, you know, in agreement with, with the phrase, I said, I did wish it was something I was able to turn off, something I was able to walk away from. And he asked me why, and I can't remember what my answer was. It wasn't a good answer, it was a feeble answer. Um, but the question stayed with me for a couple of days. And I think anyone, sorry, I know I'm going long, but there is a reason. Um, for anyone who I think, maybe, I don't think it's relegated to art in general, but if you are someone that's trying to establish yourself or make a name, for yourself in art, whether it's acting, writing, uh, being a musician, a DJ, uh, in any context, I feel like it is a very difficult thing. It is an all-consuming thing. And I remember vividly being 14 years old um, and falling in love for the very, very first time uh, at secondary school with this this uh, this girl who I, you know, she joined like halfway. Um, in like into the year and I saw her and it was one of those like everything changes you know and it become, it was very cliche last thought at night first thought in the morning and I would structure my day I would try to you know each day right how am I going to bump into her how am I where am I going to see her what should I talk about I need to come off aloof I need to come off confident I need to come off casual and you you plan <laughs> in, in that that in that way none of it works out it's completely unrequited it's completely unreturned i think that so in response to rico's question of you know why would i walk away from it uh, it's because that's what this video was like in terms of it you know you're trying to make it in an art-based environment you're trying to establish yourself and it feels like loving something that doesn't love you back um, I won't explain that any further than that. That makes sense or it doesn't. And the reason I'm saying that is because in the conversation Rico and I have, uh, he really puts himself out there in, in a lot of ways. And I feel like that kind of honesty uh, and integrity uh, should be reciprocated. And I, I kind of feel it's my duty to have said something about it. And even just in response to his question which I, I don't again I don't remember how I answered it when he asked it but it was not it wasn't an accurate answer but that is how it feels and I, I kind of feel like Rico would probably understand what I I mean when I say that 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 feeling of loving something that doesn't love you back uh, but you keep trying and you, it's not an emotion you can turn off um, but yeah as I say, that makes sense or it doesn't. Uh, moving back onto the show, though, each of these episodes, each of these podcast episodes feature two songs. We, uh, Our guest uh, has the luxury of picking uh, the closing number. So in that case, in this case, it will be Rico. Uh, but I have the luxury of picking the, and, uh, the, uh, the song I'm going to pick uh, unquestionably uh, comes from uh, Rico's uh, Seeds album. 
and uh, it's a, uh, as I said, it's such a stunning project. There are 10 fantastic songs to pick from, but I have to go with the album closer. Uh, it is the Angela Bofield covered Under the Moon and Over the Sky, and it features the vocal uh, talents and wizardry of the uh, masterful Kenny Stevens and the fantastic Heidi Vogel. Uh, it is a beautiful song. It is um, it is genuinely something special. And if this is the first time you're about to hear it, you, my friends, are in for a treat. Uh, I apologize for, for going very long on this intro, um, but yeah, I thought it was necessary. Uh, and yes, we're now going to play this amazing song and then go straight to uh, the fantastic Rico. And once again, I want to thank him uh, for his time in doing this. And I, I look forward to doing it again. I really, really do. Uh, quick reminder, these podcasts air on the first, second and third Monday of every month you can find them as well as our radio stream located at www.blueingreenradio.com thanks very much gang please enjoy the show Latina, no, 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 no,
So anyway, thank you very much, by the way, for, oh. for organising this. Um, so. No, it's it, it feels like it's some months overdue. Uh, like, I, I've been really excited to kind of talk to you for ages. We've been messaging for, uh, gosh, it feels like months, months, months. And yeah, uh, so I'm, yeah. I'm super excited to kind of have the really nervous. Yeah, I'm always nervous. nervous but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm always, I'm always very nervous. I live in, in constant anxiety <laughs> for everything oh, so I do. Well, you don't, you don't come across that way at oh, all, which yeah. is great. I think it's because usually I put myself in a room alone <laughs> with a microphone. Okay. And uh, so that's kind of how it goes. But uh, so yeah, I, I couldn't thank you enough for this. I, like I said, I'm I'm sort of enamored by everything that you've managed to achieve. I'm just, I'm super excited to kind of talk to you about it. Spend some time. Oh, bless you. Thank you, Imran. Thank you. And thank you so much for the support um, since, since it's, you know, since it hit the airwaves and prior and everything. Um, it's, it's been very much, and, and especially for coming on the night. And I'm so sorry I didn't get to talk to you. No, uh, gosh. Yeah, no, yeah, that was, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. We'll, we'll certainly talk about the, the, the launch night for, for the album. Uh, which was an exceptional night and I would definitely want to spend a lot of time talking about uh, the hideaway gig as well so yeah absolutely but I guess you know we're talking about obviously your album Seeds um, uh, through Dome Records it's I mean what a masterful piece of work how I mean it's been out some months now how how has that whole process been for you it's your first album you know are you just still buzzing off of the whole experience are you kind of looking to the next thing where where are you kind of at with the seeds project um right so i'll let you i'll answer that question again properly in a moment but sure. what i will do is because um i remember when i got back from holiday um and i contacted you um yeah we'd been to thailand and yeah my head wasn't in the the best of places should we say and that wasn't to do with the album at all per se mm. and it wasn't to do with uh la speranza or it, it it was literally to do with the should we say the 
the the downside of the music industry in 2000 in you know 2019 now we're hitting the 2020s pretty much uh and and just my what's the phrase exasperation in some ways and and this it wasn't so much to do to as i'll repeat this again to do with me per se but just to do with my feeling and my my uh, i don't know what you want to call it imran for musicians generally in the uk and i'll, I'll extend that not just to the uk because we live we live in an age where I, I mean the the album i was yes like any musician i'm sure that all the ones you've spoken to and all the projects they've done you know, the minute it's finalised and it's gone off for, um, in the old days, you would have said pressing. But, you know, once it's been mastered and everything, um, you, even prior to that, you, you know, the producers, the engine, you would say, oh, actually, I wish I'd have changed this. I wish we should have changed that. Yes, there's things I listen to now that I'm not unhappy with. I just think I could improve and I could have done something slightly better either as a producer or as an arranger or blah, blah, blah. But over, overall, I'm, I'm very happy with it. You know, I could be happier, but that's just typical musician kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my concern, but sorry, just to finish that point, what I meant was it's we i live in a we live in a day and age where to get that sound if i'm a completely objective about my own thing years ago would have cost tens of thousands of pounds to get that album sound um it costs thousands of pounds but at a fraction of what it it did cost would have cost you see that's the wonderful thing about living in 2019 and being a musician in this era the downside is that you know people i i feel personally feel that music is devalued because of it, because be uh, partly because of streaming, actually hugely because of streaming, um, but not only because of streaming. Um, it's it you know it's I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of that because that's not that's not what we're doing this today for. But that's just to explain where I was in my head when mm. I you know when I messaged you uh, about three or four weeks ago, something like that. Well, so. I mean, it's it's sort of an invariable uh, sort of uh, discussion that I've, I've I have had this with with a lot of artists and they talk about if they're an independent artist how they have to navigate that digital era as an independent artist and how it's sometimes they're able to capitalize on it and and to make it work in their favor sometimes they aren't you Mm. know and uh it's sort of that um you know it, it 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 is i can't think what it would be like to be an artist in in 2019 as you say i mean i i i know people who who don't I know I know a good few people who don't pay for music you know mm. and some people you know I've, I've even heard the weird um really bizarre uh assessment of people that say music should be free which is a mind-boggling logic I think it's just to absolve themselves of any <laughs> guilt <laughs> because I mean if it costs to make it then it you know then it, it how could it be free you know so it's it is. I've yet to hear an argument to justify that. That what? Yeah, absolutely. Just, I've yeah. heard a few people say it, uh, and even I. There was a thread the other day on um, a few weeks ago. Dan Goldman, JD seventy three. Um, mm. Here's somebody on one of his threads on social media actually turned around and said, um, "Well, if you're expecting to get paid, you've lost it anyway. You've lost your love of music." And uh, I'm like, wow. I'm like yeah, really, uh, and this and this was from a musician himself, and I'm like, whoa, um, and and I just decided not to get involved at that stage. <laughs> if I do, I'll, yeah, it was just best not to. But it really made me think, you know. In all seriousness, it did really make me think. Um, the you know, 
it's how do we view what do we think of you know music how do we and 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 now i'm I'm mr tangent by the way i warn you now you see now that's this is one of the reasons i love blue and green because (laughs) because when i hear the music it's it's not just the fact that i love the music the presenters love what they're doing they love their music the show is is about it's it's broadcast by people who are into what they it's all about the music yeah. and and that's one of the main reasons why i love blue and green and that's one of the you know and it's something i'm trying to get back to you know because I've, I've kind of switched off from music say the, the last month or so uh, once having a little break after that gig uh and i need to reconnect with it um you know for, for personal reasons um but yes yeah, so i've gone off on a tangent about why no actually that's a perfect uh, if i that. if i can jump in for a second um like firstly yeah. thank you for your kind words that's that's very very uh, sort of appreciative but that's um that's a great point about in terms of what what led you to music in the first place because there is sort of going back to uh a, a really a, a post that i actually i check in on every now and then mm. because it's a, it's a beautiful post that you put up on the lesperanza uh facebook page uh you put up the 10th of may i've got it in front of me now where you talked about uh it, it starts off with the ominous words 1984 a front room in a terrace house in the southeast <laughs> corner of the uk and That's it's right, a beautiful yes. po- post it's a very poignant uh, uh uh post about you basically falling in love with music as a as a mm. as a youngster and listening to to radio late at night under the covers and just sort of falling in love with with music and and radio and artists and and these are the uh, dare I say this the early seeds yes they were they were <laughs> yes yes that's a doubt. And that 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 kind of put everything in motion to the year that you've just had and I I, I just mm. I just kind of wanted to talk to you about that if I if I may about yeah, for, what, yeah, you know that kind of oh, early what 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 hooked you into sort of music and what made you a fan and what put you on the path um well I, yeah that 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 post um it was like wow you know social media is is a huge part uh, obviously of promotion and when it came to to release day for for the album it was um wow what do i put just put out the fact <laughs> that it's now released and i thought this is you know if i stop and think about it it's been a a, a journey that i had no idea when it began or what those you know the, there's the seeds of music which is why the album is is called what it is but yes the the seeds of my love for music uh and wanting to do what i follow the path of it as a profession yeah they were you know that was a a monumental point like lying down on my back legs up against the wall like kids just <laughs> roam around and i would have been what 84 i'd have been 12 uh and it was yes it was a, a lunchtime period and Ga- i still remember it was gary davis on radio one uh, and like half 12, 12, half 12, they used to do like some album track things rather than just the singles. And suddenly I heard this song start um, and everything about it. I loved the rhythm. I loved that. And I thought, I don't recognize this, but wow, everything. I can hear everything clearly on this system uh, coming through these speakers. And my dad, in fairness, he had invested in what at the time he thought was a very good system. And it was better than your, you know, Joe Bloggs kind of thing. But looking back now, no, it wasn't particularly good. But it was, which goes to show how good the production on this thing was. Uh, and eventually I got to the, I heard, I listened to the intensely, like suddenly I, was, I sat up cross-legged listening to the whole song. And it was um, War by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Um, and eventually I found out that the production um, was the um, the infamous Trevor Horn. 
um, a huge influence on me when in, in terms of production. Uh, and from that moment onwards, because I'd always, my both parents, my mum was used to sing around the house. She had a lovely voice singing all the time. Dad was a guitarist, stopped playing um, early on, I think, when they moved over from Italy to England. Um, so there was definitely musicality in the family, should we say. Uh, and it And it was just something that was always in the background for me. But that particular point, I just remember, it was almost like a stamp of, wow, what it's making me feel, what music does to to you. And that's the case for everyone, Uh, anyone listening here, you, I, even to people who don't like music, this might sound odd, but they don't like music because of something it does to them. Does that does that make sense? It it does. It's it leaves an imprint or something on them that they do not like. Yes, yet it still does. It has it. It causes reaction. And for me, I'm one of the lucky ones that what it does to me um, is make me fit. It, it leads me off into into some wonderful places. Um, and it all started there. Um, and the style of music, well. Um, I suppose that the, the seeds, again, excuse the pun here, the seed was there already, really, because, uh, okay, it was a cover version of, uh, you know, War, uh, War's own, sorry, War the Band's own, you know, self-titled song, uh, and War stemming from the soul and the funky side of soul, should we say, um, back in those days. So already anything with a what I, what I tend to call a, a groove or a vibe, whether that's the correct term, whether I'm... I'm not hip enough to be using the right terms here. <laughs> Perhaps I should be saying it's sick. I don't know, but uh, who knows? But it was it was just it was early on. I don't think we get to choose um, what style of music we like. I think it chooses us. That's mm-hmm. generally my my feel on music. Uh, preferred music is not as if I only like one style. I have a preference, but you know, there's various things within music styles within music that I love. Um, but it was yeah early on that 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 was the moment that got me hooked and I thought wow imagine being able to create music where you can hear so much going on and every single instrument and every voice and every um, yeah and that that was it that started the ball rolling in my interest of of music Uh, but that was I was that would have been 12 it wasn't until I was 15 uh, and it was around the when I was about thirteen, fourteen that I that I think I got my my mum had bought me for my birthday one of what we used to call super woofers, and it was uh, I still remember Hitachi. I'm pretty sure they don't exist anymore. Hitachi. Do they not? Uh, I don't th- no, I don't think oh, so because wow. I've not seen anything, which is a shame because I've always loved the name. And I remember going into the shop in Gravesend where I grew up with my mum, and and she even let me choose it, and it was this grey super oh. not too big, not one of those the stupendous ones where you'd need like a, a trolley with wheels on just to wheel down the street. No, it wasn't one of those, but it was big enough to to, to make some good sound, and also small enough to put under the covers at night because what I was doing was I, I discovered um, just by accident I'd be tuning in, you know, back in the analog days and occasionally you get these stations. I think, what? This isn't advertised anywhere. What, where, where do I find out about this? Uh, and sometimes it would be on there and other times it wouldn't be broadcasting. And But this music that was coming out was just wonderful. And I, all these songs I'd never heard, but I loved the style. And eventually I realized it was pirate radio. Uh and all based around you know soul music, uh, pretty much. Okay, um, and that's where I think my love with this style of music. Uh, and I use soul as a what I suppose in the media would say R and B. I still refer to it as a soul music. I, I refer mm. to R and my term of R and B is different to soul. But um, and it was literally like um, I don't know if you've seen the film, one of those films. Um, 
not Lord of the Rings, the one about the the Hobbit. <laughs> I think it's the Hobbit trilogy where oh, right, the right, Hobbit, right, right. yes, what's his name, uh, Martin Freeman as the Hobbit, he gets pushed into into the big mountain and as he as he gets thrown in not thrown in as he goes in looking for a particular diamond there's just all this gold all these coins everywhere he looks there's just treasure right and that's yes. how i felt discovering those channels and that music wow. because track track after track after it wasn't as if like suddenly someone said to me oh do you like earth wind and fire here's their best of here's 30 songs of those it wasn't that it was just literally tune into a station i didn't know who these artists were i was just falling in love with this music thinking who's this what's this who's she who's he who are they this is instrumental this isn't this is slow this is fast it was just wonderful just you know channel uh there were literally three or four of them um at that stage and i'd be buying blank cassettes like anything putting them in <laughs> just to record you know and then the amount of times the cassettes chewed up because i couldn't take them out and swap them over quick enough back in those days to record on the other side to get another 45 minutes um and that was where <laughs> that was where my love started with you know and i have to say you yeah, know so much credit to to those first pirate stations for mm. doing what they did because they were doing it they weren't doing anything for money in those days as most of them aren't now they're just running at a cost basis um but they literally did it um similar i, I would imagine to yourselves uh, blue and green for the love of music yeah absolutely um, yeah and that's what us artists uh, have to be very appreciative of um i know i am and i know many other artists are so mm, and i've just talked for about 10 minutes non-stop so i apologize no, no, no. People get angry when I talk. So this is gold. <laughs> You're welcome okay. to talk as much as you like, of course. But like, so where, from, from there, where, where did the, I mean, there's, I mean, if you go through just the inlay card to seeds, you'll see your name attached to a lot of different instruments and, and everything involved from production. But obviously, I think sort of when it comes to any review of you I've ever read, your top billing tends to be saxophonist. When did that kind of, uh, uh, when did that take over? When did you when start did that, to get attracted? Yeah. Um, it was, I would have been, let me think, GCSE year. So we were back in those days, I think I was the first or second every year to start taking GCSEs. Oh, wow. Um, back back then it was actually O-levels prior to GCSEs. They were called right. O-levels prior to um, GCSEs. And I think my year at the time in school was the second year to actually do be doing the GCSEs. And when it came to court choosing, I'm, I'm claiming my ignorance now with my age. Options, I don't know if they if, if children students still take options and they and they or whether they're termed something else. But we had to choose nine subjects that, um, well, I think seven English and maths were compulsory. But we had to choose another seven subjects to study at GCSE level. Mm-hmm um and it came to a point where i put them down and one of them i put down was music because uh you know my love of music was growing and growing and fair in fairness like most people in children in schools back in those days i can't say about now we would tend to use the music lesson to muck around and i you know i wasn't innocent of it like any other person but uh on day whatever date was i filled the form in and put my my subjects and one of them be music the next morning um we had form period where before you started your lessons your, your form tutor would go through any messages or announcements for the school or anything particular uh, and during that period at 10 minutes or something there was a knock at the door and the music teacher our music teacher knocked on my form teacher's door and said excuse me can i have a, a word with rico please uh and I thought, oh, and everyone looked at me, oh, what's he done? So I thought, I don't think I've done anything. So I went outside and I spoke to uh, my music teacher and she said to me, she's holding a piece of paper in the air. She's pointing at, 
at it and it was my options form and I'm looking at it saying yes she said you've written music I said yes and she said you want to take music GCSE and I said yes and her initial reaction she just burst out laughing which wasn't you know the, the best thing for a student to, to hear um and then she just her face just went straight deadpan and she went oh my word you're serious I said of course I'm serious she went but Rico all you do is muck around in lessons <laughs> I said, oh, um, she says, do you sing? I said, mm, not very well. Do you play an instrument? No. Um, she, what? And she said, I'm baffled. How do you think? And then she, so but the, the look on my face must have been one of, of, of suddenly I must have been going to like a, a sad puppy dog or something because she must, I just remember her face saying that, oh, her face is reacting like someone, she's seen someone who's very upset. And she, she said, right, the problem we have here, Rico, is that, Whilst it will only be a group of, say, 12 to 15 students, it's it's quite a small group typically for an art. And back in those days, GCSE, all the other students have, they've been playing instruments or an instrument, blah, blah, for a couple of years. So they're all already at a level. And what will make, what this means is in at least less than two years, you will have to perform to a certain level on an instrument. I'm like, oh, okay. She goes, do you have any instruments at home? Do you? I said, nope. <laughs> well, what, which instrument would you like to, to play? And, and at that stage, Imran, no, no joke, I was obsessed with, obsessed with, and I, I must have worn it out, um, the version of, and I had it on, I had it on 7-inch and 12-inch, but it was the, the video, actually, that on VHS that I kept replaying back, and it, I'm sure I wore it out, um, Courtney Pine's Children of the Ghetto. Wow. Which I still to this day absolutely adore that version. Absolutely adore it. I mean, I mean, I love the Philip Bailey, obviously the original, but I hadn't heard the original at that stage. I don't think I, it was literally to me. It was new. It wasn't till years later. Oh, what it was a cover. I didn't realise. And was it Suze? Suze? I think it was not Susan. Suze Green may have been the vocalist on it. But I remember his solo when he started his solo on it, and just falling in love with that sound more than any other sax solo or sax sound I'd heard prior so uh, strangely when she asked me that question so Courtney Pine just came into my head and I said well do you know what I really love the saxophone she went you had to go and choose a really expensive instrument didn't you <laughs> considering you haven't got one and I said oh she said do you um and in, back in those days um it was very different because it was pretty much an um an eastern european market for student instruments um for brass and woodwind instruments or everything was coming over from the from Japan or possibly the US but um, mostly from Japan and the 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 quality of instruments varied quite a lot so the student student instruments weren't very good but they were r cheaper than the Japanese. But I say cheaper back in those days, the cheapest student instrument would have been about four or 500 pounds. So we're talking, wow. uh, what, mid 80s. So that back in those days, well, still is quite a lot of, you know, whereas mm. nowadays you can, you can buy a saxophone new, you can get one on eBay, get it looked at, and it's already a good instrument for about 200 pounds, let alone you couldn't hire them back in those days either. Now you can hire them, etc. So she said, I think you may need to talk to your parents, which is what I did. Talk to mum and dad. And they just thought, oh, here's another fad he wants to go through, you know, as a teenager. I said, no, no, no. And they realized I was quite serious when I was, you know, saving money and what have you, pocket money. And eventually I saved enough to not buy a saxophone. They were too expensive, but I'd saved enough for a trumpet. And I was going to go for a trumpet because it was close to a sax. 
uh, in my thought at least back then. And um, when my dad realized I was serious, he said, tell you what, I'll put the rest of the money towards it and let's get oh, you a saxophone. Excellent. So that's how, that's how a saxophone. And bless her, my teacher, uh, Sue Regan, um, realized that I couldn't afford less private lessons at that time and the school weren't doing individual lessons. So she taught me herself because she was a, actually a pianist and a woodwind tutor. So she stayed after school a couple of times a week to give me free lessons. That's so uh, cool. Which is, so I owe her, and I've been trying to get hold of, so anyone knows where Sue Regan, Pussy Sue Watkins was her maiden name, is. I've been trying to track her down for years, so thank her so much. Because if it wasn't for her time, uh, you know, like they say, you never forget a good teacher. Yeah, absolutely. I'd never, never forget her. The, the time and effort she put in when she realised I was really serious about music. Um, I doubt I'd be sat here talking to you now. So wow. So that's that what, that's where the sax. That's so that's why you know Courtney. And I'm glad it was a UK saxophonist that inspired me to mm. take up the, the saxophone. And arguably the you know the great the greatest in my opinion UK saxophonist, and definitely one of the you know I don't like to to compare because every musician brings something new to the table to the world of music mm. but Courtney Pine is just immense as a musician not just a saxophonist he's just a, an amazing amazing person so oh, amazing. have you ever met him uh no I've, I've seen it I've been to many gigs I've not had the oh, pleasure brilliant. of meeting him I, hopefully that will change one day I, I really yeah. I truly hope it will change one day um That's just to so say cool. thank you again thanks to him for um to, to starting the ball rolling that's so cool. How much yeah. did you muck about in class out of interest? Was it quite a lot? Well, I think I was in one, you know, like most most classes have um, groups of boys. There's always a group within the yeah. class, that, that the kids that muck around. I was on the fringe of that group. If I wasn't teen, I was definitely on the fringe. But I was, I was fortunate enough to have X amount of um whatever to be able to still get on with work and do get a good result so until my a-levels and that's when i couldn't and i had to buckle down um and, and do some work but up until that point yeah i was one of the kids that mucked around but i knew where to draw the line some of them didn't i always did fortunately again fortunately, else I might yeah. Not be here for, yeah for other reasons um right. so that's how yeah i um not too badly i could have been worse could have been better <laughs> So from from the sax, I mean, again, I'm referring to like the inlay card to to seize. Mm. I mean, you you play a lot of stuff, man. You have got drums, you got percussion, you got flute, like you got Rhodes. I mean, where did how, at what point did you start to pick up other other instruments and start to to kind of become fluent in them? Um, the it was more a case of say over the years once. But so post GCSE uh, music, which I completed, then took A level music, um, and because I'd started late, I had a lot of catching up to do. Um, going back to the what I mentioned earlier about you know my teacher saying to me, "Look, Rico, you're fifteen, um, fourteen, fifteen. You, you you don't play an instrument. To it's fairly late. Uh, I'm definitely on the later side of the spectrum for taking up music professionally or learning an instrument. Um, and then when I went to, I opted to go to university to try and um, to continue music. But because my heart wasn't into classical music, I and fortunately back then there were a few courses starting to branch out. And one of the first to do non-classical was um, Salford University in Greater Manchester, where they they were doing a band musicianship course and also a popular music and recording um and that's the one i opted for um and i was just interested more in that because it was it was the recording side that grabbed me as well going back to that those 
that that moment back in my you know my parents lounge listening to the um trevor horn production i thought wow imagine being able to study you know popular music which uh i know i wasn't into the pop music as such i was more into you know soul and jazz even back then but there were there were there was the cross field where certain things would cross over uh but then being able to study recording that would be wonderful um so eventually when i went on to study at a further level it became clear that as a sax player generally you have to be able to 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 get more work gigging work you have to be able to play other woodwind instruments so that's why i had to pick up clarinet and and flute um Mm. and i play them to a far lesser degree uh what's the word my competence on them for want of a better phrase you know i'm not a great clarinetist i'm not a great flautist but i can i can play well enough to do what i need to do um on them uh and then piano it was either piano guitar because you you need a harmonic instrument really to to continue playing uh and writing and arranging um it's quite essential you know to have minimal um ability on one of those if not both on one of those instruments and my hands are just not made for any string instrument ever <laughs> they never will be so that's why you will never see a guitar in my hands we've got two guitars in the house uh and my my eight-year-old can do more on a guitar than i can um, <laughs> but um yeah so it was a case of piano uh you know piano or keys so just over the years where you'd, you'd be forced into studying at a high level having mm. to for theory reasons, for practical reasons, for composing, for arranging. Um, so the the piano side and the keyboard side came from there. Uh, the drums, actually, I put drums on. Whilst I do play drums, uh, again at a minimal level, the the drumming on the album, I think you might be referring to, would be early morning love. But the drums on that uh, I did via MIDI programming. Um, so all the the sounds are actually sampled drums and then programmed so they can be played via an electronic kit but rather than say what would be the the typical say we were just hitting a a kick and a snare here it would be rather than say an 808 um, typical dance thing it would uh, be sampled drums so it'd be a proper kick drum sampled or a, a snare drum sampled um and I thought on a few of them, because I had so many musicians on, it was a case mm. now of um, it's just practicality. I can't get anyone in at this stage to, to, to do, to record the live drums. I'm going to have to program them. It might be easier. It might be because the bill was running quite high at that point as well for the oh, album. Right. And I thought, let me, let, let's see how this works. And <laughs> it worked well, you see, for example. Uh, and I thought, yeah, I'm quite happy with that. So, um, so it, so it worked well. So that was the instrument thing why, where it was essential to do some, uh, um, other bits and bobs as much as I could. Um, and again, same with percussion, um, just having learned a few things over the years, we actually had some percussion lessons back in at university as well. Oh. By, um, the wonder that is Dave Hassel. We had Latin percussion. Um, and they, they, I could tell you a few stories off mic about that. They were rather interesting as well, <laughs> uh, but I won't go into those now, but, uh, yes, he's an, an amazing, um, educator, uh, with many a story behind him, uh, Dave Hassel stems in the Northwest, a great drummer, uh, Latin drummers, particularly his knowledge and skill of Latin music, um, is immense in this country. Do you reckon, so, uh, like, 
uh, like a career in radio was ever something that you ever considered in terms of you know the appreciation you had for music and you directed it into actually creating um but do, do you reckon because you have such an appreciation for like the pirate radios and uh, pirate radio stations and djs that you came up with do you reckon it could have instead of learning all these instruments and creating music uh, to the standards you do do you reckon the career in radio could have been like an alternative path for yourself mm. i'd never I didn't, I've never, and I had never considered it. Um, no, because it's it's a bit like that thing where I'm sure you're used to it now. But I, how did you feel hearing your very first broadcast, listening oh, to awful. your own voice? It, yeah, awful, first... terrible. Yeah, yeah. And and that's <laughs> what most people are like hearing their own voice, their spoken yeah. voice, let alone their singing voice when they hear it back, it's, it's that everyone flinches and cringes a bit and that. I feel even now that if I were to, say, for example, host a radio show, one, it would be my natural speaking voice, and two, just because I'm playing something doesn't mean somebody likes it. Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, I just haven't got that confidence in, in either of those aspects of, of what I've got to play or my decisions on what I would, say, choose uh, for the listener and also what I've got to say about it. Um Whereas my, uh, you know, which is the one, the one thing which I, I'm, but I'm really analytical of other presenters in the sense of, you know, um, one of the reasons I love, I love listening to you is because <laughs> I'd probably be similar to yourself is you, you, there might be three or four tracks played completely one to another and you'll spend a few minutes speaking about each track. I love that. That's like having you, that's like having you in my house or me going over to your house or something. And we leave three or four pieces of music and then we discuss them, we talk about mm. them, which is more, perhaps I'm, I listen as a musician, who knows, rather than um, a normal listener, a radio listener that might want to have interjection of, I don't know, a few news snippets or somebody that's phoned in or something else that's gone on, or, um, which is more typical radio. As some of you know, I've, had, I've, I've seen many a discussion about this recently as well. What do people expect from radio, etc.? Right. Um, but no, um, I'm somebody who's you know, it's about it's about the music, and if it's not, let's talk about the music. I, I don't necessarily want to hear what Mavis down the road did, you know, uh, this morning, <laughs> or, or or the um, the results are in. We asked a hundred people this or that. No, I don't really yeah. care what hundred people. Are. That's but that's me personally. That's yes, it doesn't mean yeah. the person next doesn't so, so my opinion is no more important or relevant than anyone else's it's just what i prefer to do or, or not do as it were mm. so so no in answer to your question no i've never thought it because i just yeah i don't think anyone would want to listen to me no i completely uh, i completely disagree I, I i think you're you have such a you have a quite a wide range of knowledge i think you have a genuine passion obviously a passion for enth and enthusiasm for uh the music you grew up with and i think like you say i i totally engage with someone that talks about and is clearly enthusiastic about what they're playing or uh, one of the reasons you know I know it was sort of more personal well I guess being a DJ is being a presenter is personal but that was one of the most engaging elements to your hideaway gig the fact that you you spoke uh b between songs and you talked about how they came about and what how, you know how the stars aligned and you know for, for things to work out the way they did and you know mm. looking around at the table was around me and everyone is completely engaged in that. And, um, I, you know, there are gigs where people might have thought, oh, my gosh, you know, play the songs. I don't want to hear this. But that was not that gig. And uh, I, so I, I think if you were 
for example, in that environment where you were having to present, I, I think it would, uh, I think it's, yeah, it would be a, 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 an excellent and very engaging show. Uh, I think people would really dig it. Yeah, just I'm just surprised you'd never considered it. I think because it, it would, you were talking about radio stuff, and it popped in my head that I was like, mm. oh, I wonder, like, was that ever something that you considered? So, uh, so yeah, but no, I think you'd be amazing at it. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm I'm gonna I'm not going to try and prove you right or wrong. I'm just not going to. Go, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to go near it. So, but but yeah, thank you for the. I think that the 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 gig situation was. Um, I think it was unique in the sense of. Um, if La Speranza were to do were to do another gig uh, like that, well, it wouldn't be done like that. But um, it was just the, the circumstance um, that, mm. literally, at the moment where I started to speak, and I, I know you were there, the very and there, there'd been a lot of say stress involved for that gig, trying to get that many people yeah. arranged in a very short space of time, uh, and even to the point where you know we started late because one of the vocalists has arrived late, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And when it got to the point where I had to speak um, the the night before, I'd even like try to leave some time to to do some prep notes for 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 the songs and what have you. And I thought, what's the point? I, th- I said, I'm running on fumes as this is in any way. So anything I write, I'm not going to remember. And I just remember thinking, do you know what? You know, I've, I've worked quite hard to get to this point, and you're going to have to listen to me now. And this is, <laughs> you know, uh, and and because everyone had said, and that that's one thing which I I, can't, I do like about the album, and, and a few people have said that it's quite varied in in what's on it even though the, yeah. you know it, it falls into that field it's still quite varied and people have different preferences of of certain songs on there and i thought do you know what it's my gig i'm I don't, you know i may never get to do this one again so i'm going to talk a little bit about them and what made me choose this song or this vocalist etc uh and it was a selfish thing i'll be honest in randy was selfish but it was an impulsive thing as well and if and i had no idea how it was going to pan out or what i was going to do until the moment i just decided to do it that way um but just by chance it worked so i was very lucky i don't i don't think it was i don't think it was by chance i don't think it was by luck i think it's you've managed to present yourself i mean seeds is is it's it's very much an open book i think you've 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 been very clear that it's this is the music you grew up with and you loved and influenced you and wanted you to when it inspired you to want to make music and i think that facebook post that we talked about earlier was again another example of you putting it out there and saying you know this is me and this is reflected in the music i make and that gig was exactly the same you know it couldn't have been interpreted or taken in any other way than it was and which was just sheer appreciation uh from the people that were there to to, to see this incredible concert uh and to hear you talk about it and i, I it it wasn't like a oh will this work or won't it? it it couldn't not have worked does that make sense well thank you thank you for the kind <laughs> words um it it, it it does make sense but it, it's it's really hard to to look even to look back at the gig um mm. in memory and also just you know to i never thought it would be this difficult to listen to to what something you've some something one has produced themselves musically uh, be it live or recorded and and try and do it completely objectively because there's so much personal stuff gone into it yeah it's it's quite difficult i think i'm finding it easier with time to, to actually do with the album um but with the gig obviously i've got nothing to, to listen back to at this stage well actually in theory i say that i'm lying i have because uh we actually had the gig recorded um but I've yet to even listen to it. I've just I've just shelved it for the moment. 
um and at some point in the future probably the nearer future i, I need to get i need to look at that and and to, to listen back and see if there's anything uh that we can use uh that, that would be use. amazing what to release uh not necessarily no i wasn't thinking releasing wise oh. but unless unless the unless you know the quality is very good at the moment it's so it's just the gig is a memory i have no you know yes there are some youtube thing videos up and what have you but i've never been a fan of you know you uh, anyone recording on a phone or what yes have you. It, it, um, bummy, it just it, yeah. you just don't, yeah you just don't get you know when when i've seen them i think actually no i thought we sounded better on the night yeah. and i don't mean that in an, in an arrogant manner at all no, just no, no. even sonically the sound that i had in my head isn't what's coming through this video here but you know that's just again that's part and parcel now of performing yeah. that you know you can't perform anywhere without something being recorded and put up on on youtube within literally 30 minutes if not sooner if not streamed live anyway so <laughs> so um yeah there you have it so so if we could just quickly jump into the album like it's it's 10 tracks as we said it is a it's an album of covers of songs that you've um uh been inspired by songs that you grew up loving um i mean i imagine there was quite a long list of of songs that you whittled down was i think i read was it like 30 to 40 that you originally thought these are the ones i'm gonna i'm gonna take and then you started to remove songs from like that is that right Yes, that's that's precisely what happened. Uh, if if the truth be told, I mean, I, I think it was even more than that. I remember just go because I digitized my whole music collection a couple of years ago, mm. um, mostly to make it things easier. Um, but ironically, now I now buy more CDs. Uh, my vinyl is up in the loft, uh, and just because of space, I'm, I'm not listening to vinyl. But I'm now ironically buying more and more CDs for another reason. But I if and when I'll get into that later. Um, but I digitized my music collection, you know, several years ago. And I, th- I thought if this album, you know, this thing that I want to do, that I've always wanted to do, l- let me decide which songs. And I thought you can't just decide 10 ish, you know, however many songs yeah. from all these songs yeah. from your whole collection, <laughs> just like that. So I just logically, let's just choose the ones that are in the running, you know, let's go down to the third round, second round, quarterfinals, blah, blah, blah. And that's how I did it. And then when I got to 20, that's when it got really tough for 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was a case of, well, you know, which do you decide? Do you decide a song that you perhaps you love more song A, you love more than B, but B you feel you could do a better arrangement, something different with, et cetera. So one, and then they were like, for some, for example, I'm a huge tower of power fan. Um, but Tower of Power, everything they do is what I, I'd love to arrange in some ways, for, um, like, if that makes sense. Mm. So I found it tricky thinking any of these other songs, you know, what can I do to Tower of Power song that they've already done anyway? And I, and I suppose you could use that same comment on anything. But it was a case of I literally went through their entire anthology and, and I've got all of their albums. And I just thought, you know what, there's, there's you know, taking all their favorite songs that, that there, are, there are many on my list. And I thought, no, I can't, I can't do, I I don't feel I could do a a credit to anything different on there um, with the songs. But what I did do is think, hold on, why don't I take them as an influence and see if I can arrange or do something with one of the other songs that's on my list and do it in a, say, a Tower of Power style. And that's, for example, that's what I did with um, One Minute From Love, the Mark Sedane, you know, um, disco floor filler Mm. i thought what if i could do that as a tower of power ballad uh and that's how so i ended up using the influence of artists that say i didn't actually do a a version of their own song but i took their influence and and used it rearranging another artist's song if that makes sense yeah um 
as was the case with the first song on the album um Michael Jackson, oh, working, working day, day and night. night. Yes, working yeah. day and night. And a few people said to me, Are "You sure you want to risk doing a Michael Jackson song?" <laughs> and, I said, uh, and I said, "I don't look at it that you know. This is this is going back the you know four or five. So in case anyone's wondering, I don't mean the risk in the sense of the what's occurred in the you know uh, in the last twelve, eighteen, however mm. many months with Michael Jackson in the media and the personal stuff. Um, no." The, when I decided on that arrangements, we're going back, what, four years ago or something, you know, when I recorded it, it was to do with people were saying, oh, you sure you want to do Michael Jackson? You know, it's tough to try and do something different with her. And I agreed, unless I felt I could do something that I still liked, that paid homage to it, but was something different. That's the whole point of all the songs, to to do something slightly different rather than just a cover version. Um, and Prince, again, Prince, you know, with, wow, what a, what a huge backlog of music that man yeah. you know, has. Uh, and then I thought, how would Prince take, take you know, uh, one of the many that was on my list was Working Day and Night. What would Prince do to it? And then I thought, I, I couldn't help but think in the back of my head, one of my favourite Prince songs is Sexy MF. And I nice. thought, let me, have a, let me have a think. Let me have a think. And that's, that was my basis for the arrangement of Working Day and Night. Um, I'm not saying Prince would arrange it that way, but I had Prince in my head when I arranged it that way. Um, so that's, yeah. So I got to 20 and then you say, I try to use as many of the artists that didn't get on, mm. uh, as influences for the 10. That's, that's so. very cool. I didn't know that the, the sexy MF, uh, sort of influence with working day and night. That's really interesting. I've tried to play it in my head now. That's very cool. Yeah. If you listen to it, when it gets to the chorus, uh, of what, of, well, you can of the, guitar, the, the seeds it? version. Yeah. It's the, yeah. Um, it's the guitar there. Very uh, good. Yeah. So, but once you hear it, you hear it. It's like anything. Once it's there, it's there. Um, but there are various other aspects of obviously, you know, the horn, the horn break. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to, that, that was one of the thing people, some people asked me about the arrangements. How did you choose what to change and what not to change, et, et cetera? And, you know, why did some things you change more harmonically? Uh, and other things rhythmically and and um i don't know i just i just did some things worked you know uh the melodies are the things that i personally i've always felt that need to stay the melody needs to stay uh once you you change the melody you moved away too too much for it for, that's from a, again from my own personal view doesn't mean other people would agree with that um but all the melodies on seeds pretty much 90% of them are, are faithful to the original melodies, even if I've changed some of the chords um, and in a lot of places changed the, the rhythmic styles, etc. But um, it seems to have worked in most of them. So yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. Were there, were there songs where you kind of, you were taken solely by the lyrics and that encouraged you to do something different with the music or were there, and were there songs where you were like, I love the music of this and that's going to dictate where the song goes from there. Mostly the latter, I'll be honest, um, because, um, and you'll remember this as well from from the um, the gig, I am very much a frustrated rhythm player. You know, I would love to be a drummer or a bass player um, as, you know, as, as my main instrument to be able to play those instruments oh, wow. and make a living on them. Uh, I just love both of those instruments. To me, even ballads, you know, have a groove, have a vibe, have a pocket, whatever you want to call it. So m mostly my arrangements stemmed from that um so i i didn't um i didn't look at the lyrics say for example of pretty much any of the songs bar early morning love um the reason being it's a song i very rarely heard very rarely heard played to the original on on any radio station mm. 
Um, and I don't understand why. I think it's possibly Lou Rawls's best ever song. But that, again, that's obviously subjective comment. Um, but what I had in my head and the vocalist that I had in my head, I just, it it was that that typical lazy, I mean, the original um, is just perfectly done in the, in the sense of the, the lyrics, early morning love. You wake up in bed next year, other half, uh, et, et cetera. Um, and I thought, how do I, you know, what do I do here? Um, because that was the one song that I thought pro- isn't too far. Isn't that's probably the closest to the original, even though I do change the song does change halfway through. But I wanted a vocalist that could could mimic that uh, and and portray that. Uh, and I, you know, and I'd I'd found to many years prior actually at a jam in London, uh, an American vocalist called Lariel, and she was she's one of these people that the minute she took the microphone, the whole place just stopped. And um, and I just banked in the back of my head, right. This, I've, I've, <laughs> I've got to get these, you know, I'll get her contact details and I'll keep in touch. And if one day I ever get to do this album, I'd love to be able to draw on on this talent. And then when I had that arrangement in my head for Early Morning Love, it literally was that bright spark, bulb, light bulb moment when I thought, Lariel. And um, yes, and it was, um, that's that was the one where the lyrics and the voice that I did think of, but I'd say pretty much, um, possibly uh, the last track on the album, Under the Moon. Yeah. Um, um possibly that one as well not so much lyrically in some ways but melodically uh but the space the space in that one because that's a very the original of that is is possibly my favorite song of all time if if such a thing can exist for anyone can people really say that's my favorite you know it depends what day of the week it is for me what's my favorite song of all time but it was it's definitely always in the top three put it that way um so yeah i mean that that's that's a really interesting uh, inclusion. I always thought um, the Under the Moon uh, Angela Bofield track because even when you did it live at the Hideaway, it was a case of you know obviously you've put this whole song together, but that was almost like that was like I think I kind of thought oh he's a producer because you left the stage. It wasn't about well I'm gonna look I'm play I'm. I'm going to insert a sax <laughs> solo into this song, whether people like it or not. You know what I mean? You had the kind of the humility to say, well, yes, I've, I've, I put this whole song together, but in the next six, seven minutes, it's not about me. It's about the song. And so you, you sort of stepped aside. And then obviously in the actual credits, obviously you're credited for doing quite a lot on the actual song, not sax, obviously. But when mm. you left, I, I remember thinking, oh, he's a producer because it wasn't about you hogging a moment that just wasn't there. Does that make sense? Um, yes, it does. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it. Well, I hadn't thought. No, I hadn't thought of what you've just said, uh, either in hindsight or now, whatever or then. Um, it was. I mean, I could have. I, it was a case of when I thought. Well, I suppose I could play the keys for it. I was thinking, you know, during the rehearsals, and I'm thinking, why would I ask Jim, who's put all the work in for all the other songs, to yeah. step aside so that I can stay on stage? when there's no it's not necessary he could play yeah. the part better i know i played it for the recording but he could do just as good and probably better job because that's what he does for a living than me i don't need to be on the stage for this that the the whole point of the album and and this is this was strange because for for people that know me and this is both within the musical circles and non-music non-music friends and family when i said i, I was working on an album and what have you people just assumed it was a saxophone album because people know me as a sax player <laughs> 
And it wasn't until, you know, I thought I better start actually saying to people, no, this isn't a sax album because people are just going to run away from it anyway if it is. <laughs> um, and I had to keep saying, look, this isn't, there is sax on there. I think there's, you know, two two points where, there, should we say, there's saxophones, lots of horns, yeah. But this isn't about saxophone, this album. This is about music. This is about songs. This is about groove um, and space. Um, that's a huge thing to me, uh, that, that last word. Uh, and I actually felt so saying that you've just brought back a memory. I remember now, now you've said it coming off stage and actually watching a song I'd, I'd arranged being performed by some amazing musician and vocalist. And that was yeah. a true honor to think that that's actually being done. Um, and that was, I remember feeling really humbled and that was toward the end of the show, I think. And I felt, I felt very humbled at that point, even more than I had already. So, um, so yeah, I, it's, uh, it, it is. And, and that's the thing it is, you know, um, I am a producer. Yes. I've played on this as a musician on this album, but this was a production thing, uh, mainly. So. Yeah, no, I think it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a very cool choice of yours. Like you said, there's, there's other things you could have done and there's ways you could have, uh, found a way to, to sort of stay on stage and sort of just hold on to that 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 position but i thought it was it was a, a really incredible thing for you to just to say look i'm it's it's totally about the music you're about to hear and i'm i'm kind of happy to hear you say that you're on the side and you're looking at everything on that stage that you've you've kind of put together and you get to see it in, in that moment where like with everyone else and you get to say wow like that this is this is pretty special in of itself and that that must have been mm. a, i'm happy that you saw that moment as it as it absolutely was yeah uh, i'm lucky to now i hadn't thought about it but, but having this conversation <laughs> with you now for the first time i thought about that yeah yes and uh, it, it was uh i did i do you know i i do actually remember a particular point uh feeling very humbled and just you know just listening to to the to the musicians and the singers perform it the, the arrangement um and it was the i mean that particular because it's as i say i'm repeating myself because it's possibly one of my favorite well definitely one of my favorite songs of all time mm. it wasn't a case of this song's going on the album regardless because of how much i like it it was only going to go on the album if i felt i could do something that still captured the magic of the original um and it was at a fairly late stage that i that i felt i could you know, it was like, oh, when I'm getting towards the end of the album, what am I going to do? Am I going to use this kind of, no, I couldn't think of anything. And then I remember it was quite, oh, it was um, late one morning or, or early one morning, should I say. I was in quasi sleep mode because we have two boys, uh, as you know. And my youngest, Sam, going back, you know, he was having a nightmare. And, you know, when you wake up from a dream and suddenly everything goes, I must have been dreaming about the song. Because I just remember ha having this bass line in my head for a slightly different under the moon. I'm thinking, and and my wife, she's hitting me saying, it's your turn. And I'm like, what? What's my turn? What? And I'm thinking, oh, no. And I've got this arrangement in my head. And, and you know those dreams when you wake up from them. And then you can actually physically almost feel them being pulled from you. With your subconscious yeah, program. yes. Just, just grabs them. And you're trying to grab, you know, hold on to a memory of what you're dreaming about. And it's gone. That, so I just started to sing it literally. So I thought if I sing it consciously, I'll remember it. Obviously, I'm, I'm now awake. So there he is crying. Claire's saying, my wife's saying to me, she goes, what are you doing? And I'm grabbing a piece <laughs> of paper, the jaw trying to write this bass just a, a quick so I don't forget it. And um, in the end, I think she got up because I was just, poor Sam was still crying and I'm still trying to write this thing down. Uh, and then by the time I'd finished it, you know, he'd stopped crying and I went in. She goes, thanks. <laughs> um, bless. So, so, so I do her a, 
owe her a lot for that. And all it's again stemmed from a, a baseline idea uh, that, and and that particular arrangement, I wanted the song to start with what gave me the idea to it and end with what gave me the idea to it. Um, and also finish the album with that song because to and it's the only song without horns on as well. I just, mm. I just felt it needed its own space very much at the end. And, um, the program, the programming order was, is, was quite novel for me program. What they, they prefer to is programming the, the song order for an album. Uh, it was great fun. I've got to say that was great fun, difficult in, at times, but great fun. Yeah. But, um, but yes, that's uh, that that song hugely uh, you know important to me, and having Kenny Stevens um, yeah. agree to sing on it uh, as well that was um that was a, an honor as well. I know, yeah. You obviously talked about being a real fan uh, of, mm. of the music you're putting out, and uh, yeah, it must have been incredible. But there's, I mean, there's a whole list of gosh, mind blowing musician uh, vocalists uh, as well as musicians absolutely but like mm. from kaylee uh o'neill and DeCosta boy sizzy chase uh rhiannon penny colette connor I, I shouldn't have started listening i don't want to miss anyone out uh but we mentioned lariel as well heidi vogel yeah, which hannah, was incredible heidi um, vogel i don't think i missed anyone i think yeah. hannah white hannah was white. the only I one I yeah true. hannah well uh, <laughs> And that's only because I remember giving some names out a while back uh, and somebody picked me up on that. I missed two names off and it was Kenny and, and, and <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> and ironically, two of the people most involved in this studio in non-recording times, because uh, Hannah was, I mean, Hannah, Hannah White particularly was responsible for so, so many of the backing vocals on the album. Mm. Um, that the album wouldn't have happened as easily, you know, without her. Uh, and a twist of fate as well for her to sing uh, on the album because, because as it happened somebody had already i'd already asked somebody to do um should we say song number nine or uh, a particular song and when it got to recording it this this vocalist pulled out said i'm really sorry rico something's coming i'm not going to be able to commit the time and i'd only just got um got to know hannah but we'd hit it off as as very good friends and I'd said to her, look, it, I, I feel really bad. I'd love to have you involved as a, as a soloist on this stage, at this stage, but I've already asked people and there's no more songs to go. I, I said, look, if the situation was different and she, and she understood perfectly. She said, oh, but you know, she goes, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I can be involved in, from a backing vocalist point of view. Uh, and I'm a firm believer in fate. And as fate would have it, this person pulled out. And that gave me the chance then to say to Hannah, look, would you now reconsider, as well as the BVs, would you um, consider singing Kilimanjaro? Uh, and she did wonderfully. So, um, she did. yes, all the vocalists, all the vocalists you've said. Uh, I'm, I'm, how, how many, how many people can say they managed to get like nine? I know. Wonderful vocalists for a gig, for, for a post album launch gig. And, 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 and that's with it, you know, was it, yeah, nine in all, I think, on the night were there. Or oh, eight, sorry, no, it was eight, it was eight and there was a, the ninth. Yes. Um, uh lariel who wasn't there right yes just yes. due to visa reasons but she she said she'd love to have actually you know flown over and bless her kaylee did fly over from shanghai for, yeah. the, from the gig that's incredible uh, so i uh, yeah um but they all they're all of them and the amount of effort they all put in as well so again i'm a hugely lucky person to have had that such talent and, and wonderful people as well because they are you know it's it's funny it's funny because um having you know having been a working musician now for 25 plus years um in the early days you're you're used to think oh we've you know musicians well obviously we're all the same we're musicians 
but that just isn't the case. Uh, musicians vary, you know, like any other walk of life, people in any other profession or what have you. Um, but I'm so lucky that the, all the people I've approached to be involved in the album, all 35 plus of them, uh, are wonderful people as, w- as well as wonderful musicians. Cause, and I wouldn't have had, had it any other way in the sense of I wouldn't have felt comfortable asking those people to play uh, or to sing. Mm. Um, again, and I'm so lucky when it came to, you know, the actual gig. Uh, yes, it was possibly the most stressful gig I've ever organised <laughs> because they're all working professional musicians. Yeah. Trying to get that many people, you know, to rehearse in a short space of time. We only managed three rehearsals, never with a full band, never with the same lineup. Uh, and even, you know, soundcheck wasn't, we didn't have a full band and, and the gig started late because one of the vocalists got caught in traffic. And and it it, it, it was atypical of the the whole process, but, you know, Nobody forced me to do that, as as it were. Uh, nobody forced me to put the whole project together. Nobody forced me to use that. I could have just used three vocalists. I could have used, you know, for the you album, have. one you bass player. Could have. Um, but because the album was initially never meant to be released, um, should we say, it was just meant to be a, a self-release or something that, you know, a bucket list thing for me to sit down one day and hold the CD in my hand and look through the credits and go, well, I remember her. I remember doing this with him. And, and it was never meant to actually reach the stage it did, you know, being released via, um, you know, an established and a very well established yeah. uh, label in Britain, uh, Dome Records. So again, huge. How, how lucky am I to have had what was a pipe dream actually be released via them? I want to talk about Dome in one second. I want a very quick question before that. And one of the Mm. amazing vocalists that contributed to the album that we haven't mentioned is the wonderful Claire Garofalo, who appears on backing vocals (laughs) on Working Day and Night. That must have been an amazing uh, uh, thing for you guys as well, right? It was for me, but not so much for Claire, because every so often (laughs) what would happen is because my studio is actually built at the end of our our garden, you see. So what would happen is... um, whilst I was arranging and do, you know, working on various points of the song of, of the songs every so often, I think, Oh no, I, I could really do with getting another vocalist in here to hear how these harmonies would sound. Or um, I'd do my own actually just for arranging purposes. But then I'd think now I need to check the timbre. I need a female voice. Um, and Claire has a wonderful, my wife does have a wonderful voice. So I'd drag her in after, you know, we'd put the, <laughs> the children to bed and it'd be an evening and she goes, Oh, look, I'm tired. I said, look, oh, you know, just, just come in, just, just do something. And, um, and and that's literally the case where it was, uh, where I just wanted a particular one of the harmonies. The, they're quite close harmonies and they're quite short uh, and rhythmic, the harmonies within that particular arrangement of working day and night. So when it came to, to needing someone in, I just said, right, I can't, Hannah's not in until next week, but I just need to make sure that what I've written is right. Would you mind coming in? And I just sang to her what she needed to sing, you know, recorded her. And when it came to mixing it, I thought, do you know what? It sounds great. Let me just leave her voice there, kind of, and Hannah can take the other parts or the. So, um, you know, when it, uh, towards the end of the project, she was, she did say to me, um, you did get rid of my stuff, didn't you? I said, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then, obviously, once it went off to mastering, it was official. Went, oh, actually, I think I forgot to 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 remove it from one of the songs. Sorry, um, but I thought it was only fair because she contributed to the album, so that the least you know is to give her, you know, uh, I. I no, I just wanted I just wanted her on there. Yeah, absolutely. Why would and, I, and I can and I can pin out I can I, I can actually hear. And most people won't be able to hear it's Claire's voice because nobody else knows Claire's voice. I do and I can hear her harmony in there quite distinctly. So it's so it's nice for me, yes, to think my wife is on that. So That's very and cool. also my and also my brother in law, um, oh, right. Mark Bradley, who is Claire's brother, uh 
who sings the, of the male vocal harmony on Working Day and Night. He, um, and that's how we got together many years ago. I got to know Claire via Mark, who's uh, a wonderful um, guitarist and vocalist himself. So, um, yeah, so a bit of a family one, that, that first oh, opening track. As if the project couldn't have been any more personal. Very good. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it just keeps going, doesn't it? That's amazing. So you mentioned Dome Records. I mean, this, this is such a project for Dome. Like, I mean, you're kind of... The Seeds album is now a part of its incredible legacy of music, which it shares with artists like Beverly Knight and Incognito and uh, Rasan Patterson, Eric Robeson, Bobby Womack has released stuff on Dome. I mean, mm. what is what is that like? How, how did that kind of, how did you come to the attention of uh, Pete Robinson? Do you know what? Now that you've just said those names, and I don't, <laughs> I don't know whether I should be voicing this aloud. But but this is typically me. I I, I do take risks. Um, I can't help but think, and this this I'm, I'm honestly not just saying saying this as a fishing thing. I'm hearing those names and thinking, hmm. I don't know whether Las Bedanza fits in with those names, and I'm not just saying that. I generally don't because of the way I envision all those artists and groups that you've just mentioned. Um, and it's still kind of how do I say? It's still like. Hmm. Has it really been released on on that with them? <laughs> and it's and it's you know and I'm again I I don't want you to to actually respond to that comment. I'm just voicing that aloud. Um, and it's really weird to hear it back. And I've forgotten about Bobby Womack completely. And Russell mm-hmm. Patterson actually, I'd forgotten about those two particularly. On, but anyway, so I've got. Off, I'm no, going no, off on a tangent fine. again. Um, Sorry, your question was, how well, did I get involved with Dome? I mean, I, I know you said you don't want me to respond. I'll just respond very briefly to it in that it has, though. <laughs> like you said, I don't think it goes, but it, it sort of does in that it happened. Well, it, it's on there. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's yes. a fact. So it, yeah, you, it's, it's there. It's out there. And it's with an, and, and, and how, again, how lucky am I? Exactly. So, so, so yeah, so, adventures, insecurities, so, or, or 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 anything like that, because it's 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 a it's a fact. Like it it is up there, okay. now. and I think it's on the it one really one of the leading things I've ever got from Dome. And I've got a good handful of good handful uh, of Dome mm. releases, and this yeah, it's this is a pretty special record, and I I think they know um, what it, it it adds to to the Dome legacy. It really does, yeah. But the question in of itself oh, is like for like how did you get to the to their attention to Peter Robinson and how how did how did the conversation start? Who discovered who who knocked on whose door, so to speak? It was um it was actually uh thanks to Kenny Stevens because oh, um wow. Ke- Kenny who's um Kenny's based in Bed uh, Bedfordshire, just literally bordering where I live here in um Hitchin in Hearts. And he'd been over, so he was obviously being involved with the with the project. He every so often he'd pop in for a late night espresso coffee. I don't know how he drinks them that late at night, but he'd always come over because he likes my coffee. So <laughs> I'd play him what the latest of what was going on on this track or that track, and um, it was getting towards the end of the album, and he knew I was aiming for a self release and etc. And he said, "Look, have you considered sending some stuff to him um, to Dome?" And I said, to be honest, Kenny, I hadn't considered sending it to anyone, you know. Um, and he said, well, why don't you? And I said, well, because I, the self-release, I said, this isn't, so I'm not Kenny Stevens. I'm not uh, Beverly Knight. I'm not a vocalist. I'm not a, this isn't a sax album, so it can't be a, a, a saxophone solo release. It's a, it's me as a producer, you know. Um, 
how would you possibly look at you know um promoting that as a on on the dome label and he said well he said let them deal with that he said why don't you send them something and i said well to who i, I said no i'll leave it but kenny is like a dog with a bone once you get something in his head <laughs> and he's literally and i just thought do you know what just to shut him up he and and, uh, and he said just tell you what just send them a, cu- a couple of things and I said, and, and I kept changing the subject, you know, over the weeks and he'd contact me. And in the end, I agreed just to get him off my back. I, I chose three songs. He said, look, I've been in touch with, uh, I've been in touch with Santosh, who is Peter Robinson's wife, yeah. who works at home as well. Um, and he said, I've, I've contacted her and said, look, you may hear from Rico, blah, 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 a guy I'm working with. So at least they know when you, it's not out of the cold. I'm sure they get lots of stuff sent to them, blah, blah, you know. Uh, and I thought, okay, so he gave me her email address. And I'd literally, there were three songs. I think it was Working Day Night, Under the Moon, and was it One Minute from Love or something else? Uh, I can't remember the third song, I'll be honest. But rather than sending them three songs, and they weren't finished at that point anyway, I sent them a verse and a chorus. So I thought, they're busy people, you know, they, they don't need to hear. All. And I sent them off, emailed them, I think, on a Friday. And it was um, a couple of weeks later, I was just going through emails. And I thought, how did that one, you know not get slip the net i thought it's a spam email and i read it again i thought hold on and i thought oh oh and it was a reply from santosh saying rico i'm so sorry we haven't been able to reply yet uh we've just been you know very busy the last few weeks um huge apologies um peter said he'll have a listen over the weekend and get back to you and i thought oh that's really lovely that they've they've actually replied because to be honest imran i just written it off sent it off and i just got on with things you know I've done what I said I'd do to Kenny, for Kenny, sorry, uh, and go from there. So I thought, well, that's very nice. They didn't have to reply at all, you know. Uh, and true to their words and to his word, Monday morning, uh, I got an email from and a phone call from um, from Peter Robinson. And he was, um, um, yeah, it was lovely. He said, look, Rico, um, he apologized. Sorry for only listening now and only having the time. But um, yes, we've been very busy. Had a listen. Yes, very intriguing stuff. Very different what you're doing. But I'm afraid, you know, we're not looking to to release anything new this year. And that last, I, I, I not ironically, I don't know what the word is, but that that last phrase that he said, look, we're not looking to release anything, as I expected. I mean, I didn't, it was more done to keep Kenny happy. And at least I've done it, Kenny, get off my back. Um but Peter was just genuinely interested in what I was doing. So he wanted to hear more about it. And he said, if you don't mind, I'd like to just to keep in touch anyway, just to see how it progresses. So and tr- again, true to his word, about a month later, he got back in touch. And I was close to finishing most, I think, pretty much. I was 80%, 90% done at that stage. And he said, he said, listen, I might be up in your area, say, towards the end of August. This would have been going back to August, what, 2018, July? Yeah, July, August 2018. He said, I'd like to pop in and see where where this album has been made, if that's all right with you. And I did like kind of raise an eyebrow thinking, this is strange. Um, <laughs> why, you know, is he a philanthropist within music as well? Is he trying to, you know, but he'd already given me so much good advice and time. And I was thinking, well, anything that, you know, the, the guy who owns and runs Dome Records has to say and has been so appreciative and so positive about what I'm doing, I'd happily, you know, happily take him. Um, so again, true to his word, he came up about three weeks. It was a Friday. Um, I think it was in the summer period. So I think my wife was off work and he came up and he just said, oh, I'd love to hear what you've, you know, and he literally sat in the studio and listened to every single song. Wow. 
Now, I'd already sent him a few of the other mixes and things, but he'd reiterated a few times that they're not looking to release anything new this year. And I just remember thinking, um, so why, what's, what's he, you know, mm. this is odd. This is odd. I did think that this is slightly strange, but he's such a lovely guy and a genuine person that I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm just very lucky to have his time and, and his uh, knowledge and experience and advice to give. Uh, and he listened literally to every song. Um, now, uh, you you may have heard this from other musicians. Um, the best way to test a mix uh, of a song is to get someone else into the room to listen to what you've just done. What I mean by that is, I don't mean I've just mixed song A, Imran, come in and listen to it and tell me your opinion. What happens is it's a, psych- it's a psychological um, aspect. You bring someone else in, they sit down, yeah, you listen to the same piece of music with someone else in the room, you hear the music differently. Now, it's it's a known phenomena, yeah, mm. which uh, is strange. It's a very strange one, but it exists, and no one really can pinpoint why it happens. It happens. Uh, and I'd forgotten about it, you see. So when Peter came in and he listened to literally every single song from one to ten, suddenly I'm hearing all these things that I'm thinking, oh, God, that's wrong, that's right, I need to change this. And I'm thinking, why did I not pick up on these things before? And I thought, wow, that's... <laughs> so, so whilst he's actually sat making notes about these songs, something which is very strange, I make it even more than him. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, well, at, at least I've benefited another way from him being here because I'm, I'm, I must change those horns are too loud in that break, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and he got to the last 10 and uh, in a nutshell, he turned around and, you know, and he spoke. So when you're looking to release it, I said, well, I was hoping the end of, you know, like winter time and in a few months time. And he laughed and he said, this, he said, Rico, no disrespect, but it's unlikely you'll release this album within two months. He said, it's not, you haven't even finalized the mixes. He said, there's the admin, there's so much more to do. He says, trust me. He, he said, you, if you, you know, the soonest you'll get to do it is more likely to be January time. He said, and January time isn't the best time of year to necessarily be releasing material. It's post Christmas or any time around Christmas isn't good for definitely not for this kind of material, but he said, by all means go for it. You know, if you feel that it's, it's a long project, it's been going on a few years. I could understand why you want to, to get it out there. And, uh, and he was right. I did. I really, by the, this stage, Imran, it what had been going on like four and a half years. I was like, wow, I, I just need to, to, to finish it now because there's other things I want to be doing. Um, and he says, well, if you're going to wait till then, till January, you may as well wait till spring and, and then you're into next year. And if we're talking next year, then I would very much like to to offer you to to have a release on Dome Records with it. Oh. And I just didn't see it coming because he continually said, you know, that, we, that we're not looking to release anything new. But I'd missed the point of this year because, he, he, you know, I suddenly replayed each time he'd said it to me. And I thought, oh, God, he did always say we're not looking to release anything new this year. Had he paused and gone, we're not looking to release anything new this year, (laughs) I would have clicked, but I didn't. Um, So there I was, and I just looked at him, and I just thought, oh, wow, didn't see that coming. Um, I didn't know what was coming, but I I just didn't see that coming. And I was like, wow. Then I kind of like did a double take, and I just kind of replayed all the songs in my head and all the notes I'd just made. And I said, look, Peter, do you really think this is – this is good enough to release on Dome. And that's when he laughed and he said, Rico, he goes, first and foremost, I'm a businessman. Um, I wouldn't be here if I didn't. And I was like, wow. Uh, and then all the things came into my head, Bluey, Beverly Knight, mm. etc. And thinking, oh my word. Oh, now what? 
oh, and I'm going to have to start again. Gonna have to this, you know, I have to go up another notch to try and get to that to level of of that. Um, and yeah, so that's how that's the story of Dome. Um, so it was literally by Kenny introduced. I think Kenny opened that door and made it easier for 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 them to say hi. Should we say using a euphemism, as it were, right. or an analogy? Um, that was yeah, that was the dome connection, and um, and Peter and Santosh have been absolutely wonderful people to work with. So um, it was it was one one funny thing actually. I, I, I say funny, it was embarrassing for me. Um, what, whilst he was here, because you know, actually, for example, I remember saying to him, you know, are you sh-, you know, as I said to you just now, are you sure these songs are good enough to you know, um, like working day and night? I like it. You might like it, but. Will other people like it? You know, it's it's a different version of Michael Jackson, and Michael Jackson is sacred to so many people. And he said, to, and I thought, well, ignorance is bliss, because he said to me, um, Rico, I, re- I remember presenting Michael with his platinum album for Off the Wall, and and he continued the story. And at that point, I couldn't hear anything anyway because <laughs> I was thinking, oh my word. <laughs> And I'm thinking, and you're sat here listening to this and you presented Michael with his, because I didn't realise who he'd worked for back then uh, at the time. Uh, and it was like, wow. And I'm thinking, had I've known that, there's no way I would have sent it to you in the first place. No way. I'm not just saying that. I genuinely wouldn't have sent it. So ignorance is bliss. Um, it worked in my favour. Yes, very, very strange. But yes, so that's the that's the dome. That's the dome connection. So, uh, and I feel, hmm. I mean, what, like, okay, so, like, what, what now? What next? I mean, you've, 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 you know, seeds has has come out. I mean, it's just had amazing. So it's had such a phenomenal response. It's a wonderful it has, piece of music. Yes. Like, what, what, what are you thinking? You know, I I spoke to an artist recently, um, Pete Cunningham from Ishmael Ensemble, who had an album came out um, earlier uh, this year, and uh, we spoke to her about a month ago, and he had said, um, you know, he was he, his album received a lot of uh, plaudits as well and a lot of praise, and he said now he's at that point where he's just staring at a blank screen, and it's you know he said like I don't know what's you know I feel like I'm supposed to be filled with inspiration, but it's just not there. And it's like, a, you know, I don't know if it's pressure. I don't know if it's just a creative block or something. But he was, that's what, where he was at. So for yourself, in, this, in the exact same situation that the album's come out, it's been incredibly well received. It's adored. Uh, it's a wonderful piece of work. You know, do you think, I just, you know, I don't want to, I guess we're going back to the beginning of our conversation now, but are you kind of keen to try and get in there and do something else? Or are you just like, I'm, it's going to park this for a while. Um, I'm, it's parked for a while, I think. Only but the engine's running. If I'm, I'm in neutral, shall we say? Uh, me and my metaphors, eh? Um, because <laughs> because I, I'm, I, I think I can't remember if actually, I was, you know, when we started the conversation, I feel that I need to to fall back in love with music at the moment, uh, which I'm starting to do, and. And the only reason I haven't, uh, the reason I've fallen out, not out of love with it, but not appreciating music generally as much is just uh, due to the what I feel is the state of the, in, the state of the industry. And that's on a, an artist's behalf, because right now in this day and age, so, I mean, I mean, blimey, just listen to Blue and Green, Blue and Green Radio. How much wonderful music is being made yeah. from around the world? Yeah, it's just it's just phenomenal. 
Yeah, and that's just the music that's being heard, let alone the music that's being written and isn't being heard. Yeah. It's 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 just, uh, I, I have to think to myself, is there a point where music will, you know, no more music can be made in theory because it's already been done? You know, and I'm sure that discussion has been has been had. But um, as as far as La Speranza goes, uh, you know, I, supp- I suppose if I've been thinking about what Pete had said and the blank screen, I'm not looking at the screen at all at the moment, so I, I can't say if it's blank. But one of the questions uh, I've been asked a few times is if you if you do a follow up album, is it going to be Seeds 2? Are you going to take another 10 songs and do something different with them? And and, and I th- I've already decided no. It doesn't mean I won't, one or two might not be, but I wouldn't want to do a straight cover. That's not, not my dislike of straight covers at all. It's just that I wouldn't want to do uh, a normal cover. I'd want to do something different because that's what I've already done. Mm. However, I would look at it from um, an original uh, material point of view um, if I do it. But then, interestingly, my um, I think my taste, I'm not my taste in music, but what i'm what i'm finding you know with my with my love of music and for me to grab to grab it again by the scruff of the neck i'm uh i don't know if it's an age thing actually imran i'm i'm finding certain parts of certain styles or certain elements of music uh attracting me more so for example if i listen to seeds now my favorite section of the album if i if you were to listen to it again would be track 6 to 10 the slower side yeah uh of the album rather than say that the first half which is more up tempo or mid tempo to up tempo etc um and i'm thinking what is it about music that that makes me right now in my life makes me feel passionate makes me feel um and that's what i want to to do on the screen when i feel the time's right to to go at the screen so no i'm not saying i won't i'm not saying i will uh, but when the time is ready, I feel I need to do something that that makes me want to listen back to the music. And that someone said to me a while back, if you want to listen to your mo- this this two this two sides, there's there's two kind of people listen to their own music from a what's that word? Um, I've forgotten the word self self adoration from from that point of view, or whether you actually just love the music that you've written. Um, and I want to be able to say with a follow-up project to do something the same way that that I would listen to Isaac Hayes material, you know, and it can be like the first time I've heard it, which is pretty much the whole time. Art, Isaac Hayes was a, a wonderful uh, creator of tapestries. He could just take a piece of music and make it last 11 minutes yeah. and do something. Uh, and I loved that. And I loved the fact that he, he'll have an album or two with just like four or five songs, uh, sorry, five, six, seven songs on, because some of them are so long. Yeah. Um, and that's the one thing perhaps that I do want to do. Um, a, a downside uh, for perhaps for, for having released via Dome was obviously to have uh, radio edits and singles, etc. that were, I can understand, perfectly understand why. Partly though, as a, I say a downside, because I love it when a piece of music is more than the four minute, three and a half, four minutes. That was a physical restriction years ago introduced. I won't go down that whole discussion, but we live in a, a, a day and age now where we don't, we're not restricted. A piece of music can be as long as you want it to be. 
uh, the human ear in Western music, at least most people have outside of classical music are used to a piece of music lasting anything between say three and a half, five minutes. Does it have to be? Um, and I think that's where I'm thinking of going rather than doing lots of songs. I'm perhaps looking at something of doing something and making the pieces longer, uh, and having loads of space in them, um, which I, I definitely, I feel I've done with, um, with seeds, uh, space within music, uh, space, space for rhythms to build for notes to that for, for a vocal line to just to hang in the air or a note or a sound or, um, they're the things I look for in music, and I, I suppose that's what I want to put back in if uh, if Seeds 2 or La Speranza continues. So uh, at this point, um, as I say to Pete, uh, I can see why Pete would be saying that, um, but I'm not looking at the screen at all at the moment. But once I do, I think that's where I'll head. Well, I mean, I, I suppose that certainly explains why you gravitate to the latter portion of of the album i mean just looking at the last two tracks with kilimanjaro and under the moon i mean that's probably 16 odd minutes between both songs isn't it if you take them mm. both so i i completely i can totally understand i think it's a it's a bold and particularly exciting concept for for a project if you were to to continue i very much hope you do and i, I yeah i i think those are two songs in particular that demonstrate you as a as a as a versatile and skilled producer who can create these uh you know extensive tapestries as you say so uh i think it would be a a, a really exciting uh direction for you to to go in should you decide to do so oh time will tell mm. no pun intended there but um, <laughs> But yes, we'll see. We'll see. There's, there's there's much. There's many um small sacrifices I made in that four or five years making the album, mm-hmm. uh, and time lost with with people and doing certain things. So I I need to make sure I don't do that again. And and balance 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 is the um is the key to life. I think. So I've just got to make sure that anything I do is balanced from now on, uh, within within music and also within my personal life. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm. It's it's exciting having a blank canvas and, and to actually think now that, you know, the songs, if I were to do something else, the songs could be my own, completely my own, yeah. rather than my my renditions of other people's music uh, and arrangements. But um, I kind of now, it's such a huge learning curve as well, a learning process, knowing learning what works and what doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, it, it's exciting. It's exciting to think that that could happen. Um, but I need to have that complete want and love for it which at the moment isn't there uh, i'm sure it will come so i hope it will come back i i so. very much hope so yeah i very much hope so I'm, i like to think it will but like you said i think uh it's balance is everything but timing is everything as well and uh everything the timing aligned every everything itself for the seas project you know the timing was right and uh so i guess mm. it needs to do so again it needs to be right again i'm sure it will uh when when the time's right <laughs> yes yeah fingers crossed fingers crossed I, I have got my own finger i know it sounds mad i'm the one making the decision so why should i be crossing my fingers um because i don't want to do everything i did with seeds i i, I genuinely did because of my love of, of those songs and yeah. my love of that music and i want to do the same in anything else if i if i don't feel it it's you know i'll hear it yeah. being played back that, that it's missing and i don't want to hear that i don't want to remind her that my heart wasn't in it so mm. um so yeah that has to be there first and foremost mm. and I, as i say uh i trust in life 
to to bring it back. So I'm sure it will. And on the topic of balance, I've clearly invaded far too much of your evening. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful giving you the time. I've... The least I could do you know, for some for someone who runs a station that gives me so much and other people so much. Um, the least I could do is um, is give you something back. And thank you so much for the support you've given to the album. Yeah. Let alone what you, what you give to me as a listener. So <laughs> well, I'm playing your music. Um, of course you dig it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the other music that I dig far more. <laughs> trust me. The, oh, the, I've, I've given up now on, on a, my, my Shazam list is just ludicrous. <laughs> It's just ludicrous. And I haven't used Shazam at times because I'm just in and out of the house or doing certain things. So I, I can't wait. To, I, I don't mean anticipate. I literally haven't got the time to wait for the track to finish <laughs> to find out who it is. So I'm literally having to Shazam. Else I, I'm happy to wait. And I'm there with my pad. And Claire keeps oh, wow. stealing the, the bits in the kitchen. She keeps stealing the bits on the end of the pad to make lists on. I'm like, that's my Shazam pad. Leave it. That's my blue and green pad. And, but no, but in fairness, if she wants a piece of paper, it's hers. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, yeah, the fact that you tune in, the fact that you enjoy, you know, what we're doing means uh, the absolute world. It really, really does. Uh, so I, I've, I've known if I've ever really been able to convey that to you properly. But, you know, the fact that you do tune in is, is it's a big deal for me. The fact that you've given me this time uh, right now as well is... Uh, it's oh, it's a an absolute huge. pleasure. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. But we still have our closing song uh, uh, to go. So we talked about having a, a closing song. To, to end the show with which could be anything it could be anything from seeds which i'm guessing you're not going to pick but um or just something that you grew up a giant fan of so uh did you have a moment to to, to pick something out do you know i did there were there were two I, I suppose one would be one would be uh more suited to blue and green and the other one um wouldn't because i i would have to provide a cheeky shall we say youtube rip for you because it was it's an actually live version so it was never released mm-hmm. um so and that is just a song that um is a beautiful song which i'll tell you about but that isn't the request the okay. request will be far easier i think so the um the song is hit here's to life uh by shirley horn Oh, is wow. the one that I'm not going to ask you to. to. Now, the the reason I, I'm actually, I just thought, do you know what? I'll, I'll tell you this anyway, and I could say this in a private conversation, but I'll say it regardless. If you look at, if you go onto YouTube and have a look for Shirley Horn, uh, Here's to Life, um, live in, it's, it's quite an old video. It's just her with an orchestra. And I've forgotten who's conducting the orchestra and which orchestra. It might be the Boston Symphonic. I can't remember. It's possibly the most moving vocal performance I've ever seen. It's like she's there and she's singing this song. It's like she's actually not singing. It is literally like uh, she the words that are coming out, she's telling a story. And I know this sounds a cliche, a bit cheesy, what have you, but it isn't. It truly is one of the most amazing. And on top of that, the music itself, it's one of those. Do you have pieces of music that can make you just feel a certain way the moment you hear them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Whether it be happy or sad or something. Yeah. This piece just makes me so melancholy and almost tearful the moment I hear it. Wow. Once I hear the harmony. But then when I, I've always felt that. But then when I heard, when I saw this on YouTube, I'd never seen it. I was literally left stunned and, and like both cold and warm at the same time thinking I've never heard a human being interpret and and do what she's just done. It's just it's just so emotional. Now I thought 
you know, that probably wouldn't so much suit the end of a <laughs> a discussion about seeds and La Speranza. <laughs> um, but that's anyway, that's there now. So for anyone listening, please go and please go and listen to it and find it. Shirley Horn, uh, Here's to Life. Um, but the song I will request is one that was on my list. Um, and I just felt that uh, for, for seeds, but I just felt I couldn't do anything different with it. Uh, it's the one that got away. And I thought I'm not going to do anything different unless I can do something good. And I couldn't but it's just a wonderful piece of music in the land of passion um, by Mr. Laws. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm trying to think there's, there's two versions uh, and I may have to send you the version. Uh, I'm thinking it's Hubert Laws in the land of passion. And which version is it? Um, we'll discuss it and I'll find it. If you haven't got it, I'll find it for you. But what are just, just, it's again, just a wonderful piece of music. Um, and someone said to me, actually, I'm surprised you didn't, that's the kind of thing that is seeds ish already. And I can see why now having listened to when I listen back, uh, objectively to seeds in the land of passion sounds the kind of thing I would have done, but it's already there. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And that explains why you didn't take it then. Which is a yes, credit to yeah. you, isn't it? Because you could have taken it as is almost, uh, but you've obviously mm. wanted to put enough of yourself. I mean, it's probably been a, a bigger influence to other songs, uh, potentially without you realising. Yes, but, yeah, um, definitely. It definitely totally has. Understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally yeah. understand why you wouldn't um, use it. Yeah, but there's so much in that in that song mm. from the, you know the wonderful flute playing from the um the intro the vocals the again the space the uh, expectation and the denial itself oh, it's just wonderful I'll stop now <laughs> I literally could talk I could talk for England as they say and I have done so. I, I've well I've I've had the best time dude I really have I was looking forward to this for ages and uh, I'm really happy we've got the chance to do it and hopefully we we can do it again sometime. Indeed, indeed. Thank you so much for your time, Imran. I genuinely mean that. It's been great talking Thank to you. Thank you, my friend. Speak to you soon. Indeed. Take care, buddy. So excited.